Hello, welcome to the West Side Podcast. This is where we'll post some of our audio from our sermons on Sunday, and we're so glad that you're here. Westside's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus step by step. We hope you enjoy and thanks for tuning in. Uh, hey, good morning, Westside. It's so good to, to be with you this morning. I'm thinking about this transition now from Advent, um, which I have loved getting to celebrate uh, together with you into uh, the Christmas time. Um, It's been a special uh, advent for us. Um, Last couple years have been um, a little wild for us and felt a little bit like frantic and harried around uh, this time. And it's not that this one has felt any less busy. In fact, it's been quite a bit busier than uh, than the most recent ones. but there has been something about getting to uh, celebrate Advent together here, together with you, Westside, that has just uh, brought a certain joy uh, to me, and not just preaching about it, but actually uh, living into it in, um, in the midst of all the other stuff that's happening right now. And so I just want to say thanks. Uh, thanks for these first few months. It has been such a joy to get to be your pastor for, uh, we're not even four months in yet. I mean, we, if, we're so early in this thing still, but it has been such a, a joy, and I, I cannot wait to get going on a new year uh, with you. Um, but before then, we... Uh, we rest and we party and we uh, celebrate what God has done this year. We spend time uh, together. You know, it, this Advent, is it's a season marked by waiting and waiting and waiting. And sometimes the things that we await um, is matched by the joy of the actual experience. And sometimes it is not, Right? Uh, I grew up in Spokane, Washington, and um, I, I did my last three years of undergrad out in Chicagoland. Uh, so 2008, summer of 2008, was the first time that I actually made the trip out to Chicago. My parents and I drove out there, just the, just the three of us, that long, long drive across the top of the country. And on the way, we thought, you know what, why don't we go see Mount Rushmore? It's not the kind of thing you just like go out of your way to see, uh, unless, I mean, not that, maybe you have, and that's great if, if you have. Uh, but yeah, we got to, we stopped, we, we worked it into the itinerary, and Mount Rushmore, it's nestled into the Black Hills of South Dakota, which is really a beautiful area. It's kind of a worthwhile area to visit. Um, unless you're like from Oregon and everything is beautiful everywhere, but you know. <laughs> It's fun. We, we got to Mount Rushmore, and, and you know, like there it was. Uh, I took this picture. Uh, if you look carefully, if you see what's uh, amazing about this picture is absolutely nothing at all. This looks like every other picture of Mount Rushmore you have ever seen, which is the exact response I had upon walking to the grounds of Mount Rushmore. It's like, oh, that... I, I, I could have drawn that without ever seeing it. I mean, and I'm not much of, a, uh, much of an artist. The anticipation of seeing Mount Rushmore was met by a 
I, I could have looked at this online and, and maybe not been any different as a person. That's why like soul makeup would not have changed at all, having seen those stone faces etched into that rock. Cool that somebody did that, and that's about all I can offer. Cool that somebody did that, right? After uh, three years of undergrad in Chicagoland and then four years, Jen and I spent our first four married years out uh, in the Chicago suburbs doing grad school, at the end of which we were like, whatever it takes, Lord, take us back to the Pacific Northwest, please. Uh, Jen is from Whidbey Island. We'll be heading up there this week. We're both from Washington, and we were like, Get us some mountains, get us some green, get us some elevation, get us some water, just anything. Lord, please, whatever it takes, send us back there. Jen got the job at uh, NCU uh, at the time, now Bushnell, uh, to bring us summer of 2015 to Eugene, Oregon. Uh, And immediately... I found out that I had some feral tendencies that had been cooped up for uh, some years in the Midwest. Midwest, a lovely place, just not where Joshua's heart can like live in all of its like um, freedom and just at home. Like there was, there was something about the flats and the concrete and the fast pace and just the everything that over time just kind of chipped away at my my soul a little bit. And immediately upon returning to the Northwest. We'd never lived a day of our lives in Oregon, but I immediately felt like I was more at home than I ever did in Chicago or in Wheaton. I took to trails and uh, all kinds of trips all over Oregon. And our first full summer here was then 2016. And after a year of building up my hiking legs a little bit, I finally made the trek up South Sister. Uh, Anybody ever hiked South Sister before? A few of few of us, yep. It's good. It's, uh, it's not for the faint of heart. It's a, it's a 12 and a 12, 13 mile hike that you gotta, you don't do that on accident, right? Like you, you have to really like mean to go hike that mountain. Uh, you bring some water, you bring some food. And at the top, I had read about this view. You, you eventually come to the, the top of South Sister, which from a, while, from a ways away looks a little more pointed than it is, but it actually feels like pretty flat once you get to the top and you walk around the rim and eventually you come to this point where, you're, where you have what's described in the books and all the, the hike reports as an aerial view of Middle and North Sister, which I was like, that sounds cool. I wonder what that will be like. I'd seen a couple pictures and I came upon this view and was absolutely floored. Because it's not just Middle and North Sister. I mean, you can't really see, but we got Mount Washington back in there, and there's Jefferson, and Hood was out that day. You can see Rainier on a clear day. It was mind-blowing. And there's no amount of pictures that I could have seen that could have prepared me for that moment. And do you hear the difference, right? There's the scenes that look like every other picture you ever imagined. And then there's the scenes that no picture could ever fully prepare your heart for. There's the waiting that we do that, that feels contrived. It doesn't quite um, meet expectations. And then there's the waiting that can hold up under pressure, that can bring fulfillment and satisfaction beyond our wildest dreams. 
And as we close out this Advent series in joy this morning, I just want us to see, does the joy hold up? Or is it just a fun little festive thing that we get to talk about this time of year? Does the joy hold up? We know that joy is part of the anticipation of the Christ story. Um, Justin shared this passage with us last week from Luke 1, when Mary and Elizabeth meet. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, Elizabeth says to Mary. Just even the the presence of Christ, not yet born, just Christ's presence in the room brings joy to another being. Just a couple verses down, the Magnificat is recorded. Mary's song of praise to God that this wondrous thing is happening. And the first thing out of her mouth is this, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Wherever word of Christ came about, wherever the slightest anticipation of his coming arrived, wherever that anticipation was, that place was marked by joy. We could go all the way back to Isaiah 9 and see this very thing. Every prophecy looking forward to Christ, there is joy that is on its way, and its name is Jesus. There's joy in the anticipation. And then Jesus is born. Gianna just read the passage, the passage that we know so well, Luke 2, the birth of Jesus. And the moment that Jesus is on the scene, the angels show up, and their proclamation is that it's good tidings of great joy for all. Not just the folks who made it to church this morning. Good news, great joy for all. There's, there's joy in the anticipation. There's joy in the announcement in Luke 2, 10. I love the shepherds in this story. I was captured by the shepherds in the story this, this week, and I couldn't help but think, are we supposed to be a little bit more like these shepherds? Because when they hear what the angels have to say, their immediate response is, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. The shepherds are so compelled by this vision of joy, this message of joy, this call to joy. They say, we got to go get it. Are we going to leave it there? Are we going to go get it? Are we going to be some shepherds this Christmas season? That joy is on offer to us. But the question is, so great, there's joy in the anticipation, sure. And there's joy in the announcement. Anybody can get excited about a thing when it's new. But does the joy hold up in the ministry of Christ? And I would encourage you, read through the Gospel of Luke and so many of the cases of conversions, of places where Christ has come with healing for the broken or has brought life from death or has brought forgiveness of sins. So many of those moments, we get this little note and they came with joy to Jesus. Because when God's work is at hand, it can't help but produce joy. His ministry was marked as a joyful ministry. There's one passage in particular that has stuck out to me this week. It just kind of on my heart this week as I was thinking about this. And it's not a typical um, 
Christmassy passage, and I kind of like it for that reason. Sometimes this, the message of Christmas uh, hits our ears and just kind of bounces off as we think about whatever recipe we, we are working on or whatever. Sometimes it just like doesn't quite get through the din of, of the holiday crazy, right? So what I want to do is, is look for a minute at John 15, where Jesus tells us explicitly how he wants joy to work into our lives. This beautiful passage about, about abiding with Christ, the vine and the branches. You are the vine. I, I'm the vine. You are the branches. I want you to remain in me. In that passage, Jesus says this, John 15, verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain, abide, abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And then here's the kicker. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I have told you this so that my joy, not yours, not the flimsy happy you tried to achieve on your own, but my deep, abiding, everlasting joy may be in you, may be yours and not just in part, but in full. Play ra'o is the verb that's used here. It's a, it's a very full verb used all throughout the New Testament to talk about the fulfillment, the filling up, the completion that Christ is of the Old Testament prophecies. Christ is the fulfillment of those things. And he uses, we get that same word to describe the joy that he wants to fill up your life. Nothing lacking, no place untouched by the joy of Christ. This is, when Christ says, this is what my ministry is about, he uses the word joy. He doesn't say, I tell you this so that you can think rightly about this subject. He doesn't say, I tell you this so that you can believe the right doctrines. He says, I tell you this because I want you to be happy. This is the work of Christ, to bring joy to you that you cannot get to on your own. That is the message of Christ at Christmas. He wants you to know his joy. Do you hear what's on offer? Do you hear what is on offer to you, brothers and sisters? Are you willing to believe it? Will you take Jesus seriously? No matter how you come into this place today, Jesus sees you, and Jesus is very interested in your joy. Whether you are an eager disciple of Christ, or you're disappointed and disenchanted with the church, whether this year has been the best of your life or it's left you empty and confused. Whether you feel loved or lonely. If you feel like too much or maybe not enough. If you feel too young to be taken seriously or too old to be 
useful. However you come to this place this morning, this Jesus whom we celebrate, this Emmanuel, God with us, he came to earth that you may know a rich and satisfying life marked by the purest and deepest joy that you could possibly know. That is why he came. Don't get me wrong. This, I don't in any way want you to hear me say that this is a life free of pain. Not at all. It's not a life free of pain. It's not a life devoid of tears and hurts. It's a life of meaning in the midst of it. It's a life that knows that tears are not the final chapter. Tears are not the final chapter of God's story or yours. Hurt will not have the final say. I would venture to believe, I'd venture to say, that you sitting here this morning, that you already know this to be true, that I've not said anything brand new to you yet. You know this to be true already in some measure. You know that Christ is the source of joy. Maybe you once knew this real well. Maybe you once knew this joy and over the years you've drifted away from it. You've drifted away from God. You didn't really mean to, but the busyness of life, the stuff of life just kind of happened. It kind of got in the way without you even realizing it. And now you feel miles from a God you once knew real well. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you're one of the many, sadly, who's been deeply wounded by the church. You've experienced pain at the hands of someone in the church. So it's hard for you to imagine what joy could look like given what you have been through. And just setting foot in this place this morning was a remarkable act of courage on your part. And I want to say welcome. Love you. Grateful you're here. Or maybe, maybe you just always kept relationship with God at an arm's length for whatever reason. So as you've gone along in your life, joy has always been a project that you've had to manufacture on your own. You've grasped at it by filling your life with this, that, and the other, with so many things, and still come up a little short of what you're looking for. To each person, wherever you come from, this morning, convinced or not convinced, I want to ask you these questions. Are you willing to risk shedding a layer of the stuff that you wrap yourself up in to insulate yourself from the world? Are you willing to risk shedding one of those layers? Are you willing to offer up a part of your heart that's maybe grown dormant or cold over the years, risking a little light into that place of your life? Are you willing to humbly submit the barriers, the stuff that's gotten in the way, the reasons that you use for not yielding your life to Christ? Are you willing to humbly submit those things to the one who can actually bring the satisfaction that you are looking for? Are you tired of striving for something that you were never meant to achieve on your own? Are you tired of that? Do you know that there is one here 
who is interested in the fact that you are tired about that. He wants what is good and beautiful and true for you. Put more simply, Jesus wants your joy to be full. Are you willing to want it for yourself? Are you willing to want it for yourself? Christ sees you this morning. He does. His desire is for you to experience a deep happiness that he knows you can't achieve on your own. He's tired of you on your Mount Rushmore trips. <laughs> Getting there and just being like, yeah, I've seen this before. Of course, the operative question is, okay, sure, sure, preacher guy, yelling at me on Christmas Eve morning, <laughs> whatever. How do I do this? And this is where we overcomplicate stuff a lot of times. We plug in a formula or whatever. It's simple, right? It's simple. We, we simply have to turn our heart's attention towards God. The Bible's word for that is worship. What we turn our heart's attention towards. You are always worshiping something. Is that thing going to be God or not? Will you let the stuff of this world turn your attention towards God? Or will you get too hung up on it? Rick Howe says it this way. Joy orders and unites all the healthy pleasures of life. By its very nature, joy affirms every wholesome delight. It hallows our gladness in the good things of life by directing our hearts to God in thanksgiving and praise. Will you, this Christmas season, this next week, make it a point to use every little joy and say thanks be to God? That's, that's what faith is. It's not more complicated than that. It is not easy, but it is not more complicated than that. G.K. Chesterton, uh, one of the Inklings, one of the Tolkien and Lewis's contemporaries, says it this way. He says, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Will you try? Will you give, it, will you give Christ a chance Will you let the beauty of this world awaken your heart to the goodness of this God who loves you more than you could possibly imagine? Worship team, why don't you come on up? We're going to sing again because that's what happy people do. <laughs> you know, the first time uh, singing shows up in scripture, sorry, this is professor moment. I, you can't, yeah. I've been out of classes for like four days. I gotta get back to the teaching thing. The first time that singing shows up in scripture is right after God has delivered his, his people. Right after God has delivered his people, Israel and the Exodus. The natural response is to sing, to, to worship. So we're gonna sing, O Holy Night, once more. Father, we... Uh, Trust that you have our best at heart uh, and yield to you the areas of our life that show we don't believe that very much uh, and ask for you to break through here and now. In Jesus' name.
Amen.